Chapter 7 of The Star Chamber, An Historical Romance, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Star Chamber, Volume 2, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter 7, A Cloud in the Horizon. But it must not be imagined that Sir Jocelyn's whole time was passed in attendance on the court. Not a day flew by that he did not pay a visit to Aveline. She had taken a little cottage, where she dwelt in perfect seclusion, with one female attendant, old Dame Sherborne, the same who had accompanied her on her compulsory visit to Sir Giles Mompesson, and her father's faithful old servant, Anthony Rock. To this retreat, situated in the then rural neighborhood adjoining Holborn, Sir Jocelyn, as we have said, daily repaired, and the moments so spent were the most delicious of his life. The feelings of regard entertained for him from the first, by Avalon, had by this time ripened into love, yet, mindful of her solemn promise to her father, she checked her growing affection as much as lay in her power, and would not at first permit any words of tenderness to be uttered by him. As weeks, however, and even months ran on, and no one appeared to claim her hand, she began to indulge the hope that the year of probation would expire without molestation, and insensibly, and almost before she was aware of it, Sir Jocelyn had become complete master of her heart. In these interviews, he told her all that occurred to him at court, acquainted her of his hopes of aggrandizement, and induced her to listen to his expectations of a brilliant future to be shared by them together. The severe shock Aveline had sustained in the death of her father had gradually worn away, and, if not free from occasional depression, she was still enabled to take a more cheerful view of things. Never had she seen Sir Jocelyn so full of ardor as on the day after the banquet, when he came to communicate the intelligence of the jousts, and that he was selected to essay his skill against that of Buckingham. The news, however, did not produce upon her the effect he expected. Not only could she not share his delight, but she was seized with anticipations of coming ill in connection with this event, for which she could not account. Nor could all that Jocelyn said remove her misgivings, and, in consequence, their meeting was sadder than usual. On the next day, these forebodings of impending calamity were most unexpectedly realized. A mysterious personage, wrapped in a long black cloak and wearing a mask, entered her dwelling without standing upon the ceremony of tapping at the door. His presence occasioned her much alarm, and it was not diminished when he told her, in a stern and peremptory tone, that she must accompany him to Sir Giles Mompesson's habitation. Refusing to give any explanation of the cause of this strange summons, he said she would do well to comply with it, that, indeed, resistance would be idle as Sir Giles was prepared to enforce his orders, and that he himself would be responsible for her safety. Compelled to be satisfied with these assurances, Aveline yielded to the apparent necessity of the case, and set forth with him, attended by Dame Sherborne. With what passed during her interview with the extortioner the reader is already acquainted. She had anticipated something dreadful, but the reality almost exceeded her anticipations. So overpowered was she by the painful intelligence that it was with difficulty she reached home, and the rest of the day was occupied with anxious reflection. Evening, as usual, brought her lover. She met him at the door where he tied his horse, and they entered the little dwelling together. The shades of night were coming on apace, and in consequence of the gloom he did not remark the traces of distress on her countenance, but went on with the theme uppermost in his mind. I know you have ever avoided shows and triumphs, he said, but I wish I could induce you to make an exception in favor of this tilting match, and consent to be present at it. 
the thought that you were looking on would nerve my arm and make me certain of success. Even if I would, I cannot comply with your request, she replied in an agitated tone. Prepare yourself, Jocelyn. I have bad news for you. He started, and the vision of delight in which he had been indulging vanished at once. The worst news you could have to tell me would be that the claim had been made, he observed. I trust it is not that? It is better to know the worst at once. I have received undoubted information that the claim will be made. A cry of anguish escaped Sir Jocelyn, as if a severe blow had been dealt him, and he could scarcely articulate the inquiry. By whom? That I know not, she rejoined, but the ill tidings have been communicated to me by Sir Giles Mompesson. Sir Giles Mompesson, exclaimed Sir Jocelyn, scarcely able to credit what he heard. Your father would never have surrendered you to him. It is impossible he could have made any compact with such a villain. I do not say that he did, and if he had done so, I would die a thousand deaths and incur all the penalties attached to the sin of disobedience rather than fulfill it. Sir Giles is merely the mouthpiece of another who will not disclose himself till he appears to exact fulfillment of the fatal pledge. "'But, be it whomsoever it may, the claim never can be granted,' cried Sir Jocelyn, in a voice of agony. "'You will not consent to be bound by such a contract. You will not thus sacrifice yourself. It is out of all reason. Your father's promise cannot bind you. He had no right to destroy his child. Will you listen to my counsel, Aveline?' he continued, vehemently. "'You have received this warning, and though it is not likely to have been given with any friendly design,' Still you may take advantage of it, and avoid by flight the danger to which you are exposed. Impossible, she answered. I could not reconcile such a course to my conscience, or to my reverence for my father's memory. There is still another course open to you, he pursued, if you choose to adopt it, and that is, to take a stop which shall make the fulfillment of this promise impossible. I understand you, she replied, but that is equally out of the question. Often and often have I thought over this matter, and with much uneasiness, but I cannot relieve myself of the obligation imposed upon me. Oh, Aveline, cried Sir Jocelyn, if you allow yourself, by any fancied scruples, to be forced into a marriage repugnant to your feelings, you will condemn both yourself and me to misery. I know it, I feel it, and yet there is no escape, she cried. Were I to act on your suggestions and fly from this threatened danger, or remove it altogether by a marriage with you, were I to disobey my father, I should never know a moment's peace. There was a brief pause, interrupted only by her sobs. At length, Sir Jocelyn exclaimed quickly, Perhaps we may be unnecessarily alarming ourselves, and this may only be a trick of Sir Giles Mompesson. He may have heard of the promise you have made to your father, and may try to frighten you, but whoever is put forward must substantiate his claim." As those words were uttered, there was a slight noise in the apartment, and looking up, they beheld the dusky figure of Clement Lanier, masked and cloaked, as was his wont, standing beside them. "'You here?' cried Sir Jocelyn in astonishment. "'Aye,' replied the promoter. "'I am come to tell you that this is no idle fear, that the claim will be made, and will be substantiated.' "'Ah!' exclaimed Aveline in a tone of anguish. You will not seek to evade it, I know, young mistress, replied the promoter, and therefore, as you have truly said, there is no escape. Only let me know the claimant's name, cried Sir Jocelyn, and I will engage he shall never fulfill his design. Oh, no, this must not be. You must not resort to violence, said Aveline. 
I will never consent to owe my deliverance to such means. You shall have all the information you require after the jousts on Thursday, said Lanier, and let the thought strengthen your arm in the strife, for if you fail, Avalon Calvary will have no protector in the hour of need. With this he departed as suddenly and mysteriously as he had come. End of chapter 7